What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is a fancy way of saying good news. So, what is the good news? Well, let's find out together. If you ask a lot of Christians about the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus is in there somewhere, right? But today I wanted to start off with a mystery. In the biographies of Jesus, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we learn that Jesus traveled around Israel spreading the good news, this gospel. And we see this very clearly stated for us in Luke chapter 4. Then, as one would expect, in Luke chapter 9, it says that Jesus had his disciples travel from village to village, just like he did, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So from this, we have to assume two things. Number one, that Jesus knew what the gospel was. Duh, right? And we have to also assume that the disciples knew what the good news was. But if you think about it, there's something weird that's going on here. You see, because Jesus hasn't died yet in this story. He hasn't been crucified and therefore he hasn't resurrected yet. So as Jesus and the disciples are going from village to village sharing about this good news, they have to be sharing a version of the gospel that doesn't include the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, so let's take this one step further. Later on in this story, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to die on the cross at the hands of his enemies, but on the third day be raised to life. And do you know how his disciples reacted to that? They acted like they never heard this before. They actually rebuked Jesus for making such claims. But wait a minute. A few chapters ago, the disciples, they were proclaiming the gospel from village to village, but here they act like they never heard Jesus teach them about the death and resurrection part. So what gospel were they proclaiming to these people? Maybe the gospel message doesn't include the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, before I get any alarming emails from you guys, we will talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus next week. But today we're going to be focusing in on the gospel that the disciples and Jesus were spreading to the villages around them. So if you look through all Jesus' teachings and actions, because not all his lessons were in words, you can categorize them into four topics. They are love, sin, kingdom, and religion. And we'll look at each one of these a little closer. So first, let's talk about love. See, God who is love created us in his image. And that means even if we have all our physical needs met in this world, we will still feel empty if we are not loved by God and others. And if we don't selflessly love other people, we will still feel unfulfilled. There's this one story when Jesus was asked this question, like, what is the greatest commandment in the Old Testament? And he gave a rather puzzling answer. Instead of quoting one command from the Old Testament, he actually fused two commands together, love God and love others. And this has never been done in Jewish history. Now, what's important to note here is that he wasn't cheating. It's like if a genie told me that I could have like only one wish and I said, hey, uh, I want a house, car, money, and perfect health. We'd all agree that I was cheating because I'm combining four wishes into one, right? Well, Jesus wasn't cheating. He wasn't taking two commands and combining them together. He was actually fusing them together. In other words, he isn't saying loving God and loving your neighbor are two separate things. He's saying that loving our neighbor is the same as loving God. By loving those around us, we are in essence loving God. In a teaching found in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives us this extended lesson on this very concept. He says, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invited you in or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now this is a groundbreaking teaching by Jesus. He's basically saying your connection with me or with God will happen through your connection to others. So he's saying the more you love on the least of these, the more you're loving on me. The more you listen to these people around you, the more you're listening to me. And the more you serve the people around you, the more you're serving me. So that's the first part of the gospel, love. You are loved by God, loved by others. You are to love others, which is how we love God. The second category of things that Jesus taught is sin, or more specifically, how he is going to save us from sin. So the idea here is that we've all sinned. Other than Jesus, there are absolutely no exceptions to this rule. We are all imperfect. And what that means is that we always prefer to love ourselves more than the people around us. And the Bible describes the selfishness, this type of sin, they describe it as, as a disease or a sickness. And all humanity is looking for a way to break free from this disease. So in that midst, Jesus teaches us that the cure to this disease of sin is forgiveness. Okay, now let's define forgiveness before we move on. Forgiveness is the act of letting go of judgment. So for example, if you wrong me, which you guys haven't, <laughs> just pretend, that means that now I have judgment over you. To forgive you means that I'm no longer going to place that judgment on you. And since we all have this disease called sin, because we all have some level of selfishness in us, we have all sinned against God. And the good news that Jesus is proclaiming here is that every human being that has sin in their lives, God is no longer holding those sins against you. Like, have you noticed in Jesus' encounters, he always starts off with forgiveness? Like, for example, in a famous story about a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, the religious rulers were ready to condemn her by throwing stones at her. Basically, she broke the moral code that God gave them. But Jesus' first action was to release her from that condemnation. And if you read on, we discover that sin isn't just forgiven by God. It's something that God wants us to do for others also. Like, Jesus taught that if you've been forgiven by God, then you should forgive people around you also. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, asked Jesus how many times does he need to forgive the people around him? Like he wanted a number, like uh, somebody wrongs me seven times, should I forgive that guy seven times? Jesus taught that a person who is forgiven by God for his many, many sins ought to forgive other people infinitely. Forgiveness is God's primary tool for rebuilding our broken down world. When we fail to forgive others, the world breaks down even more. According to Jesus, forgiving and being forgiven is freeing. It's foundational and it's formative. You and I were all called to be forgiven forgivers. And through the spiritual practice of receiving and giving forgiveness, our relationships are kept healthy. And through forgiveness, broken relationships now have the hope of reconciliation. All right, on to the third aspect of the gospel, which is kingdom. Now, simply put, this means heaven begins here and now. So if you've been going to church for a while, one thing you will eventually learn, or you may already know this, is that you can tell a lot of a person's priorities when they're asked to pray. We can assess the priority of Jesus when he was asked, how do you pray? This is how Jesus answered that question. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, God's kingdom is a term that's packed with meaning, but if I were to simplify it, it basically means God's way. Jesus is asking everyone to pray that God's way happens here on earth. Jesus isn't asking his friends to pray that, that everyone would go to heaven one day. He's asking if we can get more people to participate in bringing God's way in our midst. And while heaven starts here and now, Jesus is also teaching us that it's also an eternal thing. In other words, if you want to live this life of peace, love, and joy forever, then you have to start living the life of peace, love, and joy right here, right now. Oh, and according to one of Jesus' unusual teachings, he said that the kingdom of God will spread like a weed. Yeah, like the idea here is that the kingdom will grow slow, but wild, and it's impossible to remove. All right, and the final and last theme of Jesus' teaching is religion. But more to the point is how to shut down religion. See, Jesus taught that religion will ultimately divide and segregate. The more we try to prop up a religion, the more it accomplishes the opposite of the kingdom of God. But humanity requires religion. We need orderly systems that helps us make sense of the divine. So Jesus decides to shut down the oppressive religious systems by God giving us everything religion was trying to accomplish in the first place for free. Let me see if I could simplify that a little bit. If you're part of a religious system so that you can get approval from Almighty God, then Jesus says, hey, I love you. You have my approval. You don't have to work towards it. There's nothing you can do to earn my favor because it's yours already and you can't lose it. Or if you're going through some religious system so that you could pray to God so that God could hear you, he says, don't worry about it. I hear you. You don't have to sacrifice animals to get my attention. Or if you're part of a religious system because you feel like you need to connect with something greater than yourself, he says, hey, you can stop trying. I'm already with you, always. Now this is good news, right? And Christians have a word for this unmerited gift. We call it grace. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus never used the word grace, but he talked about the concept through many parables, like the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. That's the story about a father who forgives his sons for all the mistakes that he's done, and then gives him even more when he comes back home to show him that he loves him. Like he didn't deserve it, but the father gave it to him anyways. So Jesus basically says, I'm here to shut down this legalistic religion. We don't need it anymore. No more sacrifices, no more working for God's favor, and no more comparison game where one person feels the need to feel holier than the person sitting next to them. So now the only thing we have to focus on is celebration and thanksgiving. All right, so there you have it. Jesus' teachings and actions typically falls into these four categories. And when you combine all four together, you have the gospel the good news. This is what the disciples were spreading from village to village. See, Jesus came to proclaim a world saturated with love from God, love for you, and love for others, a world where, where we're all free from judgment because we are all quick to forgive one another, a world where God's peace, love, and joy reigns, not temporarily, but for eternity. And Jesus is also proclaiming a world where we don't have to prove anything to God because He has His favor on us regardless of how how we perform in this life. One time Jesus told this really interesting story where he said that, that the good news is so precious, it's like a treasure that was hidden in the field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then with joy, he went and sold all that he had and came back and bought the entire field. I mean, his point is that the gospel is so precious, it's worth giving everything up for. So church, may you see the beauty and the power of the good news of Jesus. And may you find the gospel so irresistible that you're willing to give everything you are for it. And may you experience heaven together. God bless.